0: Hello and welcome to HVC podcast. This is our first episode. The goal of this podcast is to educate any medical provider or staff in common clinical cardiovascular scenarios so we can better treat our patients. I think this is very important and will help us provide better patient care. Now podcasts on this count are meant for education and are not medical advice so should not be used as such. Posts don't substitute for individualized treatment by your healthcare provider. Now let's go to our first podcast. The subject of this is something that commonly comes up daily in a cardiovascular clinic. Preoperative management for antiplatelets and anticoagulation for non-cardiac and non-vascular surgery. This also covers when and when not to bridge with medicines like subcutaneous Lovinox. Of course, these are just guidelines and we have to modify them for any specific patient. So let's step back a bit and let's review what are antiplatelets and what are anticoagulants. As a summary, antiplatelets are typically medicines like aspirin, Plavix or Clopidogrel, Brilinta, Ticagrelor. Or prasugrel. And this is used in patients after coronary artery disease treatment with stents, sometimes bypass surgery, and after peripheral vascular interventions, usually PAD interventions. Those are antiplatelets, they prevent platelets from sticking together. Anticoagulants rather work on the clotting cascade and the clotting factors. These are medicines such as Coumadin, Eliquis, Pardaxa, and Xarelto, And these are used in conditions atrial fibrillation, atrial flutter, DVTs, pulmonary embolism, and also mechanical heart valves, aortic and mitral, you can only use Coumadin. Now, um, You know, the newer medicines called Eliquis, Pardaxa, and Xeralto are known as DOACs, D-O-A-C, or direct oral anticoagulants, or sometimes NOAC, novel oral anticoagulants, when they were new, but they're not that new anymore. Um, Interventional cardiology procedures, such as PCI or some of the percutaneous valve interventions, we often continue antiplatelets and sometimes even anticoagulants during the procedure, especially if it can be done radially. Also, for vascular procedures, such as endovascular PAD interventions, and even some surgical vascular procedures, we sometimes continue antiplatelets. Now, for electrophysiology procedures, typically antiplatelets can be continued, but in terms of anticoagulants, again, these are the Coumadins and Eliquis and zeraltos. Ideally, they should be held to prevent bleeding, as when a device is implanted, there's an open pocket. But it really depends on the bleeding risk of the patient versus the stroke risk, especially for atrial fibrillation. So this is probably a topic for a separate podcast in the future. So let's, let's now go to the main topic for today non-vascular non-cardiac procedures and i'll go over five of our most common conditions and how you adjust these medicines when a patient has one of these conditions number one atrial fibrillation or atrial flutter typically we don't bridge with lovinox low or high dose unless the chads vas score is very high, like, that's like six plus, or they had a stroke in the last six months. If they had an ablation recently, let's let our friendly electrophysiologist decide, and I know they're always available. Typically now, if for whatever procedure is necessary, these medicines, anticoagulants have to be held. Again, anticoagulants are Eliquis, Xarelto, Perdaxa, Hold them for two days and Coumadin for five days. I think one exception for this is spinal procedures in which even Eliquis and Xeralto and Pradaxa might need to be held for five days. And this may also be necessary five days in some other high bleeding risk procedures, such as urology procedures. But it's really case by case. And usually it's when the surgeon asks for it. Um, so typically, hold for two days for atrial fibrillation and atrial flutter, Eliquis, zeralto, Pradaxa, and do not bridge. Second common condition we see is DVT, deep venous thrombosis, or pulmonary, 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 pulmonary embolism. Now, in these patients, unless the event the clot was less than six months ago, don't bridge with Lovenox, low or high dose. Um, the third condition is uh, coronary artery disease and MI. Um, typically now we're dealing again with antiplatelets, not anticoagulation. If the stent, coronary stent or the MI was greater than a year ago, or they had bypass at any time, then you don't need to bridge with Lovenox for these patients. Um, you don't need to bridge antiplatelets. If the PCI was six to 12 months, um, it really depends on if they had ACS, acute coronary syndrome, or if they had um, what type of stent. Uh, so really let the interventional cardiologist who had planted the stents or ask one of our interventional cardiologists if it was done somewhere else the data and the guidelines for this are really changing especially with some of the newer generation stents so basically we usually have to hold the clavix berlinta um, and the aspirin for five days uh, before these before elective procedures sometimes if the stent was done more recently we continue the aspirin for the elective procedure so um, if the procedure was greater than six to 12 months after the stent, that is the non-cardiac procedure, such as endoscopy, was six to 12 months after the stent. Typically, it's very safe to hold aspirin and Plavix or um, the other antiplatelet like Brilinta or Effient or Prasglo, which we use a lot less. Um, fourth common scenario is valves. So, When a patient has a history of artificial heart valve, if it's a bioprosthetic, which includes TAVR, there is no bridging necessary for bioprosthetic valves. Now, the mechanical valves are typically aortic and mitral. So let's go over aortic first. A mechanical aortic valve, if the ejection fraction is normal and no previous thrombotic event, then they actually don't need to be bridged with lovanox do not need to be bridged but it's a different scenario for mitral valves mechanical the mitral valve is lower gradient not as much flow over the valve and not as much pressure to dislodge clots so all of these need either lovanox or heparin bridging and uh sometimes if they have like end-stage renal disease or um very bad renal function and you cannot use Lovenox, they may have to be admitted to the hospital for even a minor procedure like endoscopy uh, in order to get IV heparin. Um, And of course, uh, to repeat, all the mechanical valve patients will be on Coumadin because the NOACs are not approved for this. Our fifth scenario, which we HPC takes a lot of care of is PAD. After a peripheral arterial intervention, it's okay to hold the aspirin and Plavix uh, after just one month for any um, non-cardiac procedure. Often, if vascular surgery is necessary, they actually continue aspirin and Plavix. So, a lot of information. Let me just summarize. Um, We talked about the difference between antiplatelets and anticoagulants, different medicines, different reasons. Really, in terms of bridging, the only real indication for Lovenox or the IV full-dose heparin, if they do have renal issues, is if the patient has a recent stroke with AFib, recent DVT or PE, or a mechanical valve. Just those three scenarios. Again, recent stroke with atrial fibrillation, recent clot DVT, or a mechanical valve at any time the Lovenox, if it's necessary, the dose is one milligram per kilogram every 12 hours, but hold on the morning of the procedure. Um, if, if you are using the Lovenox and the patient was on one of the NOACs or DOACs, as you can call them, you don't need to resume the um, Lo- Lovenox after the procedure. You could just resume the Eliquis or Zoralto or Pradaxa, the NOAC. And for Coumadin, since you are, um, it takes several days to get back into the therapeutic INR range, resume Coumadin and Lovenox post-operative and stop the Lovenox when the INR is greater than two. So I hope this, uh, I hope this uh, helps you understand this condition more um, and these patients, and um, I'd love to hear any suggestions for future future topics thank you very much